Hello, everyone, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock. Along with me is Colin Doyle. Uh, Doyle, we've been we've been bumped out of the main studio today, so we're in uh, Studio B, aka the boss's office, uh, laying down the podcast today. But uh, welcome to the program. I hope you had a good weekend. Did you? Nah. <laughs> you asked that. That was so loaded. Yeah, you know I how know, my Saturday night yeah. was, and along with every other, and we deserve to be bumped. You know, I, I, I think I took the rock by eight. I was slightly off. Yeah. Uh, so we deserve to be in here in the closet this weekend. So or this week. <laughs> so I got no problem with it. We're we have a better podcast this week, and we do a better job maybe uh, procrastinating or sorry, uh, prognosticating prognosticating uh, the rock game. Then maybe we'll be back in the big one. But if not, this yeah. is where we belong. That's where I'm we are. I'm depressed. Although we've got some windows here, it's a nice. Uh, no, not a nice view. It's pretty. There isn't a bad office. Dreary looking day. But I like the big one, and I hope we can move back there. I really do. Yeah. But, I, you know, I had a great Sunday. We had our semifinal play here at the Rock Athletic Center, so that was a pick-me-up. Uh, uh, we had uh, all the teams playing to, to play into the championship this weekend, so it's our last weekend coming up. So it was great Sunday. The Saturday, though, uh, not so good, as many of our listeners can probably attest. But I digress. So let's quickly touch on the uh – Rock Elite Development League stuff. Real quick. Real quick. So yeah. that's Tyke, Novice, Pee Wee, Bantam? That's right. Um, All four divisions. Yeah, that's right. So we play every Sunday. That was week 12 of 13. So we did our semis, and we move into our finals uh, this coming Sunday. So it's pretty exciting. It's been a tremendous success by my standard, and hopefully by the accounts of uh, all the kids that play in the league. We've got incredible talent, and uh, it's great to bring it to a close, let everybody have a little few weeks off for the holiday, and then get right back into it. Before we know it, we'll have another lacrosse season, uh, you know, minor lacrosse season on our hands. So it's it's incredible that it's gone this fast, but uh, it has been fun. So I look forward to this weekend. The final week is always is always fun. And then you've got selection for the Junior Rock Pee Wee team starting up as well? Yeah, we do a uh, we do a fall selection. So uh, we take all the kids that played in our fall league and we pick the top 36 players and four goalies at our Bantam and Pee Wee divisions. And we'll have a separate tryout and, you know, Challen and I will take notes and begin to construct our team. And then we also have another tryout after the winter session where we get uh, everybody together one more time. And hopefully by April, we've got our team selected for what what is the treat of the summer, the Junior NLL tournament. And, you know, on the Wee side, hopefully we can get back, get that team back to being gold champs again. Uh, are there still spaces available in January? There are. It's filling up fast, though, and it will fill up. So uh, if you are interested, get it in now. Um I, no need to plug the program. It's a lot yeah. of fun. I enjoy being there, and we do a good job with it. You get to... You know, you get to be around great players that love playing the game, and then hopefully, uh, you know, our coaches, they do a really good job as well. We really dedicate a lot of time to this, and it's, uh, it's, it's a ton of fun. So speaking of ton of fun, let's talk about Saturday night. 12-8 lo- <laughs> loss for the uh, Toronto Rock to get things started. Uh, not a ton of fun at all. Uh, it started well enough, up to nothing early, but uh, very quickly – the Rock found themselves behind, and they were behind pretty much for the whole night until they were able to tie things up 8-8 early on in the third quarter. And then the offense did not produce a goal for the final 24 minutes and 5 seconds of the game, which included 
a five-minute uh, power play towards the end of the third quarter that ran over into the fourth quarter that got shut, cut short Sorry, because the Rock ended up taking another penalty, something that they also did uh, quite a bit of on Saturday night and at not great times, although in the NLL there probably isn't really great times to take penalties because the team's power plays are on most nights pretty good, but the Rock power play was not great, didn't take advantage of their opportunities uh, to get back in the game, especially at a key point. So I'm not sure where you want to start, but maybe let's start at the beginning and a, and a 2 nothing promising start that uh, quickly evaporated, um, and it, it became a struggle real fast for the Toronto Rock on Saturday night. Well, this is tricky for me because if I'm being completely honest, I, I don't know how to approach kind of dissecting this game. If I approach it as a fan or do I approach it as an analyst, do I approach it as somebody still rather emotionally tied to the team? It's difficult for me because I don't want to sound like that asshole that I hated coming back and telling everybody how it used to be in their day. I want to be very cautious of that. I also want to be very cognizant of the fact that it's one game in. But no matter how I look at this, uh, after thinking about it for three days, no matter how I look at it, I think there are two things that stand out to me. Number one is how disappointed I was with the effort in the fight for a team playing in their home opener. Uh, A team with so much promise. um, I didn't see any emotion, any life, any pushback. And that, I think, above all else was was terrible to see. And I think if as an analyst, I saw that as a fan, I saw it. And as an ex player, I think above all else I saw it. So that was extremely disappointing. And it, it now, it, before you get too far into that, I mean, I think for people listening, like define what you consider to be pushback and fight, because it isn't necessarily dropping the gloves. It's no, it's, you know, a lot of people use those word compete level, all that kind of stuff. But what is that specifically that, you, you know what it wanted is. Wanted to see that you didn't see. You know what it is. If I can put, it's it's in a nine seven game. You know, randomly Josh Anderson will come off the bench and, and just go get into a skirmish with one of their defenders, where the play's got to stop and have them separated. That is what I'm talking about. Where you, you know, if you're not familiar with the game, well, why is their best player out there getting in somebody's face for apparently no reason? The reason is, hey, the rest of us seventeen have a look. It's time to wake up. And it's not fighting. It's well, it can be. It certainly can be. I'm not that far gone that it can't be. But it's, it's where are you standing up, you know, for your team? Where are you going out and having one of those shifts where everybody takes notice of you, where you're all over the ball, all over the those kinds of things. I didn't see any of it, and it's emotion, and it's something that you know from my playing career, I depended on so so much. You know, you just knew when something had to be done. Where, where saying it was was no good anymore. Saying it on the bench, I'm sure the coaches were saying it. I'm sure people were saying it. But go out and do something to change the tone of the game, to wake your team up. I saw none of that. And, and, and we'll get into the other issues. But that was the most disappointing as a fan, as an analyst, as an ex-player. So uh, I think if I step back, that to me was, was was difficult to watch, and I know I wasn't the only one there, and I think the Rock fans, I think, probably saw it too, and it's disappointing knowing, look, those games happen, but not on your home opener. And I, to me, again, it, it, to me it's just inexcusable. Um, I thought the Black Wolves showed lots of fight, you know, um, at the right times. Uh they were they look like I mean they were the better team. Their their goaltender played well. We made it easy on them. We'll get to that later. But they look like a team ready to go in there and take two points. And we look like a team 
um, content giving two points away. So take it or leave it. Like I said, I again, I, I'm so I'm so leery of my position on this because I don't want to be that guy. I really don't. I you know I want to be the supporter of this team and I want to talk about the good things. But uh, if I'm being honest with our listeners and if I'm being honest with the Rock fans, that was disappointing and I was disappointed. So. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. People are going to say, well, look, it was the first game. You know, I also think that has run its course because ultimately, other than emotion and effort, what killed us in this game was our offense and our power play. And it's not just one game. This is going back two years. You and I have been doing this. And it's the same discussion. It's the same discussion. And, you know, the definition of insanity. What is it, Mike? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And I hit my breaking point. I literally hit my breaking point Saturday night. I said, I cannot watch this anymore. I physically cannot watch this. It's not just one game. Do not make that mistake. Anyway. And um, that it will make things difficult and not to jump all over the place here, but obviously a big game coming up on Saturday night where – uh, this team really does have to write things in a hurry, more so because you don't want to, you know, two games does not make a, make a season. But, but to fall to 0-2 here and then have two weeks to think about it before you play Rochester on the road, and then also, you know, there's a month between home games here. Um, there's just a lot of time. And that's painful in this league sometimes, is all that extra time because you don't get to go out and, you know, forget the last game, right? And and if this team's sitting here at 0-2, there's a lot of just time. And, you know, thankfully there's some other distractions, the holidays, Christmas, all that kind of stuff going <laughs> on maybe. But, again, to throw another big butt out there, but, like, time stinks in this league sometimes when you've got so much time between games. And, and we know that already the team's a little bit banged up, even coming out of this first game, so... Um, that will be a good thing, I think, to get everybody uh, hopefully closer to back to 100% by the end of the month, depending on what comes out of uh, this game on Saturday. But um, just to circle back, you know, talking about the effort and, and, you know, there's fingers pointed all the time. When you lose, you know, you point fingers. When you win, you point to the reasons for success too. So You point um, the fingers the same way. It's usually just in a better spirit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so – uh, one thing that I always find is easy for fans is just to, to look at the goaltending. And that's obviously what a lot of fans have drawn attention to right away, regardless. But, you know, to expect Nick Rose to go in there and let in seven goals, to expect any goalie to let in seven goals in an NL game is a stretch. I mean, Doug Jamison did only let in eight. But, you know, what you get in Nick Rose, and we've talked about this before, you know what you're getting. A lot of nights you're getting 10 or 11 goals against. And I think in this league, a lot of times you got to get to 12 or 13 to win. And again, that's where I think we start to circle back to the offense again. But um, I didn't think Rosie was uh, bad necessarily. He did what he does on a lot of nights. He gave them a chance to win. And now I know we've talked off the air and I don't want to take the words out of your mouth here, but to say that sometimes goals go in at bad times, which is absolutely true. However, there were opportunities. Rosie did give them a very good chance to get back. And you look at the fourth quarter, he didn't let in a goal. The only goal they got was an empty netter. So there you go. I mean, with a power play coming into the fourth quarter and you've got a goaltender that literally shuts the door for you for the rest of the game, it it was open for this team to go out and and take this game. I I felt like at 6-5 or 7-6, I can't remember, I thought he let in a soft one. Um 
to give them a two-goal lead or to, or to allow them to tie it. One or the other. I can't remember. I remember noting it then. Oh, it wasn't a great goal. But I'm with you. I Look, if you're blaming Nick, blaming this one on Nick, then you're going to blame every loss on Nick regardless of what you yeah, see. So whether it's 4-3 it, or – That's right. So that's yeah. fine. If you're going to – I didn't think he was horrible. Uh, I really didn't. I thought he was good. He gave them – he was good. Not great yeah. good. He gave them – like you said, he gave them a chance to win. And I don't think this one falls on him. Uh, and I think – I mean, everybody knows where this one falls. I, this isn't us 18, 19, 20-year ex-pro making this, you know, baffling yeah. assessment. It's it's clear as day where this one fell. Uh, they scored two goals before I even sat down, and then for the next 59 minutes, they got six. And, uh, you know, it's it, it is the same old, same old. They settle for perimeter <laughs> shots. Um, making the other team's goalie look really good. Well, I think right there, <clears throat> sorry to cut you off again, but settle I think is a key word because that's what I said immediately when the end, the game ended. The buzzer went and in and out loud, I know upstairs, I said, settle, settle, settle. And that's what it felt like happened all night, unfortunately, was that everybody kind of settled. And I think sometimes when you're looking at it from your perspective as, you know, Toronto's my team, we want Toronto to score – we're saying that they settled. I mean, there has to be a little bit of credit given as well to New England. I think that always is a tough thing to do sometimes when you see your own team struggle is to say, you know what, it wasn't as though New England maybe made it easy at times, but maybe our guys also potentially took an easier route to well, New England to, made again, it clear. settling, right? New England made it clear what they were going to hope the Rock did, and that was settle. Yeah. You know, there wasn't excessive pressure on the ball. It was kind of sit back, let them shoot. Let yeah. our goalie stand out and stop the ball. Again, newsflash, this this will probably be what you see a lot of going forward, what you've seen a lot of for the last three years. Again, I, it, I don't want to sit here on my high horse and call people out. I don't want to call these players out. I don't want to call the coach out. But, you know, it's frustrating, and, I, and, I, and if I'm probably voicing – the reason of of many rock fans i don't see any adjusting you know you and I'll, I'll point to the five minute power play when the change over the third to the fourth quarter you got time between you know I, I i just you know draw something up and go to something take expose what they're overplaying what are they doing how can we expose this how can we go against the, you know again this is that was frustrating to watch um and it, maybe maybe it's you know, I'm not going to make any excuses. It's inexcusable. Again, I, it's, I'm not going to make excuses. There's too much talent on this group to settle for eight goals. And uh, this power play, again, if you want to be a top team in this league, you go at 60-plus percent because you are unstoppable. Because no matter what they do, they have one less player than you find a way to pick it apart. That's that's the reality. Yeah. And we can sit up here and make excuses all we want, but I don't feel like doing that. And um, we can't – you can't just say it's one game – you can't say it's because there's a bit of a new mix with, with Dan in there and, and Zach in there. You just got to find a way. Uh, you know, if you look at the shot totals after the game and some of the shot totals jumped off at me and you're like, you know, I don't remember so-and-so. Why won't he call anybody? I don't, I don't remember so-and-so having two good looks, let alone 12 on the score sheet. Like, it doesn't add up. So yeah, they're 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 up against it now. They're they're banged up. They've got to go out west to a team who's obviously going to be hungry, and they've got to find a way to generate. This to me isn't about wins and losses. Not at this point. This is about, I think, proving to this league that you can play differently. 
again, I've been on this for a while. I think this is proving that you can get the middle of the floor. Um, proving that you can get over the hump simply right there. Just get, take the middle of the floor. Prove to people that you can do it. So when you need it, you, you've got it. When those shots are going from the outside, we saw it last year against George in the semis. When those shots are going in, look, you can hang 15 real easy. Yeah. But when they're not, and you go to the very next game against Buffalo, and the going gets tough, you got to prove you can score. And I think that uh, the offense has to prove that. Um, the offense has to prove their power play can be better. To me, those are the biggest thing, biggest takeaways from this game. Aside from the like what I felt was the effort and the pushback, and and all those things, you know. Uh, you know, Terry Sanderson was the genius of this. You know, uh, his teams, he just wouldn't allow his teams to play flat. Whatever he had to do to do to adjust his lineup or his personnel or his mindset or the team's mindset, they just were never flat. And I think uh, every player bought into that. He was really good at that. And I just felt like, you know, it was – it's pretty obvious this week. It just wasn't a ton of that, and it was disappointing. So anyway, not to not to pound this into the ground. I don't want to sit here and do that. I don't. But again, if I'm sitting here on the podcast and you want my opinion, that's my opinion. And it, again, it's difficult for me to do this because I like the players on this team. I like every part of this group. I do. I, I just think you know there has something has to give here, um, or or we will be sitting here six weeks from now having the same conversation. Is some of this when you do talk about pushback and fight, and I know we've kind of talked a little bit off air about this as well, but just in that players are different now? Yeah, but again, are they? Like, some teams aren't. I see a lot of emotion out of Dane Dobie. Yeah. You know, I, I see I see it. It's still there. And, yeah, it might look different, and maybe I can't relate to the players nowadays. I get all that. But I still believe that if you want to be a championship team – you know, the Rusty Krugers, the Kim Squires, the world, these guys were talented, gifted players, but they were spark plugs. They just got it, you know, and uh, I could go on and on. I mean, I could go on and on of the players I played with not even using my own name. So is that a switch you can turn on, or is it something you have or you don't have? Well, good question. I don't know. No. I had it. The players, A lot of the players I played with had it. Some didn't. But it's okay to have some guys that don't have that. Yeah. You know, that's fine. You have a, you have a team of 23 players. But I think – you know, if, especially the leaders, they know those times and they know what needs to be done. And I don't even know what it is anymore. I may not know that. That's fine. But, you know, I learned a lot playing with players from certain centers as I got older. Pat Coyle is a great example. You know, he was a great leader because he got that part of it. He just knew what needed to be done when mm -hmm. it needed to be done. And you had no choice but to kind of see it and see what it did to the team and learn from it. And, uh, you know, have players changed? Absolutely. Of mindset. You, you don't need a coach tapping somebody on the shoulder anymore. Like, it's not about that. It's just about, you know, being so proud of the logo on the front and the, and the, the fans that are paid to see you play, where there's just too much pride. There was too much pride in me and too much pride in a lot of my teammates to just lay down and let that happen. Like, I just, it's hard to put into words. And I respect that times have changed. And maybe there's a lot of emotion being tweeted and shared on Instagram. Maybe some of that emotion ought to be shown on the on the turf. Um, if if I'm wrong and I'm disconnected, fair enough. I, I can roll with that. I can. I'm like, but to me, if you watch Calgary last year, you know their leaders. They had emotion. They get it. Their coach is he's emotional, and you know like, it doesn't always have to be that way. I don't think Matt Sawyer has to change who he is. And I know the emotion in him is probably still there and everything else. But these players got to show some. Um, 
I don't know. Do you think some of that pride, emotion, fight, all that stuff, as a group, sometimes ends up, you know, I can look back at, you know, what you guys went through. You guys, and I've said this before, you guys won right away, right? You almost didn't know anything else from the beginning. And I feel like some of that, you battled, you won. You battled, you won. You battled, you won. Like, these guys, this group here, you know, the right now, an, an East final loss last year is the deepest this group has gone in the playoffs. And and while you play 18 games and every game so close, and we talk about this being a one-goal league and yada, 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 but, you know, some of those battles, important games, that kind of stuff hasn't happened yet for this group. Well, then you question, is our level of battle high enough? Don't you? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I guess, I, yes, I agree with you, but I guess what I'm saying is that in some cases, while... I do agree with you. Absolutely. Could there have been more fight, more pushback in a, in a home opener, all that kind of stuff? I totally agree with you. But, but, but I, I mean, don't, I think don't just that brush that stuff, stuff under the rug. I, I'm not trying to. I think that's to. <laughs> why it's there. And I know you're yeah. not. I just want to – I think, you know – I'm trying to say that in some cases these guys, while some of them have done it in junior and some of them haven't, right, and maybe some of them have done it in the summer in, in man cops and whatnot and some of them haven't, like, I just – maybe that's just not there yet and, like – they don't know, right? Like you're you're talking about you watch guys like Pat Coyle and 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 just the success that you guys had so fast. I I just don't know sometimes if they're looking around the room perhaps and just look around the who, league. Who's the who's the guy here that's been through that necessarily at this level? Like Doss has been through it with Rochester, right? They've won. Robbie in his very first year here, very young, but you know, experienced it was around those guys. But other than that, at the pro level, I mean I quickly think, right? There's just not a lot of guys that have been around necessarily. Again, I, I think, if, 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 sure, if you want to take that route, I, I can't disagree with it. But I, like I and said, I'm not trying to give anybody an easy out. I, I guess I'm just throwing a little bit of a different But you watch the level. Thing is that these guys, I, they do have to want it. Watch Steve Priolo play. Yeah. You play against him four times a year. Yeah. You know, watch him play. You know, he gets this. And, yeah. you know, like, you, you don't, he doesn't have to be on your team to learn it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what he does to you every show. Like the half of what I learned was just being pounded on by Reggie Thorpe and like understanding that look, if I'm gonna do yeah. anything here, like my level must go up fifty percent. Yeah. Even to get even with this guy because he, the guy across from me, is showing me how bad he wants it, and that level's pretty high. I'm gonna have to get there. Yeah. I'm gonna have to get there and pass it. So I don't think it, you can just like I said you don't you don't just learn it. And I came out of junior having never won. I think I won two playoff games. Yeah. Like you know I didn't have any experience winning. You know it's well noted. I like, but it didn't take me long to learn from the people around me in my own room. And that's credit to Les Bartley for building that team full of leaders. We had yeah. a, we had a, a group, you know, overflowing with leadership of all different styles. But you know, I learned from competing. And, and look, if I want to be a part of this group that wants to win so bad, I got to do my part. Yeah. So whatever that looks like, I got to figure this out. So I don't know. Like, watch watch Lyle Thompson play. Watch these. Like the our guys see these guys over and over and again. And, and again, if you just watch Lyle Thompson, and again, I go through the the. He may not play with what appears to be a ton of emotion, but his his tenacity while playing is at like hundred and eighty percent. And yeah. most aren't even close. And that's why he achieves so much success and his teams achieve so much success. Because, look, if I'm watching Lyle Thompson do that and I'm Jackson or I'm Stats, or i got to be there. 
I have to be there with them because that's the way it works. And then once you get everybody at that level and you get all that skill, you know, we believe we got all that skill. I think we're having a hard time figuring out what that looks like. And I just, I mean, we can point in a million different directions, but ultimately you got to point inward and say like, maybe, and again, we're talking about something much bigger than one loss to the Black Wolves at home. And, you know, take it or leave it. But the, the motion is still an important part of the game. I think this pushback we're talking about is still an important part of the game, and there's nobody out there that can deny that. What it looks like today, I don't know for sure. But if you go around the league and start pointing to the teams and the players that have had a tremendous amount of success, they have it in one degree or another. So that's that's that. And I know – no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what our – this falls back one, to identity. Here's one question I'll throw at you, though. Sure. Is it better that this happened in game one than in game seven or eight? Who cares when it happens? Well, like, I, you know what I'm like, asking. Is, I, it, is it better that this happened right away? And perhaps if, the, if there was a wake-up call needed – yeah, maybe. Then it happens right away instead of sure. If they were instead st- of you know this team sitting at four and two, but and it's maybe been a bit easy, and it's the end of January, and things are about to get real tough, and then boom, you know you get knocked down on your butt. But when you got a week between games to discuss it, yes, that's something yeah. that's going to come up over and over again. <laughs> you know, or you just look at it and say, look, there is a pro- like we cannot deny this. We cannot run from this any longer. Yeah. Right. Like again, this isn't a one game problem. And you can look at it however you want to look at it. The reality is this team needs to find a way to score goals in tight and to make defenses do something different. That's the bottom line. I don't care when that conversation happens. I do not want to be sitting here at game nine saying, wow, the offense is flat. I can't do it anymore because then I'm just, I'm, I'm insane. (laughs) And I, I don't want to be that yet. Not yet. 25 Fair. years from now. So I'm not going to do it. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you how good this offense is anymore until they prove it to me. They have the pieces. I 100% believe that. I am not buying into it any longer. Yeah. They've got to show me. End of story. And that's just my approach. I don't, sure, wake up, call this, whatever you want to call it. Go out and play different. Go out and show us something different. End of story. However that's got to happen, it's got to happen. Okay. On that note, we will uh, we'll take a short break here on the podcast, and then we will uh, reset, refocus, and be back to uh, look a little bit further ahead, I guess, at the game on Saturday night against the San Diego Seals. Stay with us. More Toronto Rock Total Access to come. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Colin Doyle here to wrap it up and also uh, tee up big Saturday night matchup in California. The first time the Toronto Rock will travel west to play at San Diego. First time ever. And actually, Colin, this this is actually a great topic that just popped into my head. Okay. You're, you're obviously well entrenched in the whole lacrosse scene in California. Yeah. Um, what does an NLL team mean for California? There have been a couple of of other ones there, one of which you played for in San Jose. Um, there was also the team in Anaheim for a very short time. Um, what uh, what what do you think wh- impact, I guess, that the Seals will have or have had on uh, 
lacrosse in California? I think it'll be great. There's uh, there's a lot of people playing box lacrosse. Most of the business I do is Northern California, so San Francisco, the Bay Area. Yeah. But I know that the Southern California lacrosse is considered one of the hottest markets right now. On the field side, there there's a lot of kids being recruited, a lot of great athletes being recruited out of that area. And having uh, the pros wheel through there every weekend, I think, is huge. And to show California a little taste of box lacrosse, I think it's it's an awesome experience. It's great for the kids to be able to see it at the highest level. So I think as lacrosse kind of had moved its way west, the, the Mammoth had such a big impact on the growth of lacrosse in Colorado. I don't know because it's a little later now because that came right at the boom of lacrosse out there. And right now Colorado is one of the hottest spots for lacrosse, you know, in the in the entire United States, as California lacrosse gets bigger, I think having the influx of great box lacrosse players at the pro level, and then obviously all the great programs that run out of there, I think it's going to be huge, really huge. So I hope they can keep it and everything goes well down there. Um, I hope eventually, and I keep hearing rumors that potentially a Northern California team is in the mix too. I think expanding the game, uh, just like they did with the field game, expanding the box game and exposing kids to it will change the dynamic and uh, you'll see the numbers kind of go through the roof as to you know once you go to a box game and you see it live then you really get it so i think a lot of these kids out there have never been exposed to it so i think it's a great opportunity to expose the game and a lot of the kids i coached through the years their first exposure to it was at a stealth game you know however many years ago that was so i think get it out there get it in front of people try to grow it and uh, i think as the growth of field lacrosse happens, we should see the same growth. I, I, I'd like to see the same growth with box in the States. You'll never see it at that level. But in order for the NLL, like we've talked about this in the past, for the, in order for the NLL to grow, box lacrosse has to be kind of implemented uh, with these kids at a young level. They just need to see it. So I think it's very important. What was the fan base like in San Jose? I know, like, numbers-wise, I know it wasn't huge necessarily, but in terms of when I say what was it like, I mean, was there a super dedicated group of fans? There was. Like, was and, and what kind of was there? knowledge level of things and their background maybe even you know i i can relate it to this like i went i went to a sharks game when i was out there and you know i heard you know we went and watched the habs play the sharks and the people next to me said oh the the montreal canadians they used to be the quebec nordiques you know this is they've had they had had the sharks at this point for you know 10 years so whoops yeah so if if they had the sharks for 10 years uh their their knowledge on box across was pretty trimmed out but we had a good dedicated fan base we didn't have great crowds for whatever reason it happens but uh, we had a dedicated fan base that started to learn the game and those that were dedicated to it figured it out quickly because they saw as much as they could of it but yeah it was brand new to them and like i said i'll just compare it to that i think there was you know, imagine seeing something for the first time. And, you know, you, you you don't want that. You want these kids to see the game live firsthand. And I spoke to a lot of kids in California throughout the summer, and, yeah, there was, there was a lot of great feedback about the, the SEALs and what they're doing down there. And, you know, parents and kids alike, they love the availability of the players and, you know, having people in the market there going to schools, promoting the game and promoting box clubs in Southern California. So, I think you'll see big growth from it. I think they have a few of their players. Cam Holdings, one that comes to mind that's living down there. And, you know, he's a great coach. And he, he and whoever he's working with will do a great job getting the game in, in new hands. And it was one of the things I did with the Stealth. We saw a lot of schools and we got lacrosse out there. Kids that have never seen it before don't know box from field. They just see a stick and a ball and learn to pass and catch. So, you know, ultimately I think having people out there promoting the game is is, is best. Is there a funny uh, lacrosse story from San Jose that's always kind of one of your favorites? 
Still makes you chuckle just about. There's a funny lacrosse story about California, but it's when I was a member of the <coughs> Rock. Oh. We, there was a team in uh, Anaheim. Yeah. So there was a team in Anaheim, and I was playing for the Rock, and I can just remember the excitement in the dressing room on the two. Like, we're going to California here, so, <laughs> you know, this is a big deal. Uh it, it and back been, then, there was probably a lot of guys that really hadn't traveled uh, extensively, period, right? Like, And I think that, for some reason, the, the ownership threw us a bone and let us sneak out there a day early and maybe even come home a day late. Like, it was a big trip, so we were yeah. super excited. And, you know, the Rocker going west. This is a big thing. So we're going to Anaheim. And you're right, a lot of, like, I don't know that Whip had been out there. I don't know that I had been out there. You're going yeah. to Anaheim, California, anyway. So every the you know the excitement in the room Tuesday after practice ah pack your you know pack your shorts bring you know, everybody we're gonna golf we're gonna golf we're gonna do this that and the other thing and then uh, you know we <laughs> Thursday morning the airline carrier that was supposed to I think it was JetBlue oh. can't they they seized operations so yeah what was the name of it was it not JetBlue it Blue? wasn't JetBlue JetBlue is still in existence it? it's. Uh, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so that day they decided to go belly up. And uh, so there we were. We were all at the Pearson Airport. And uh, T was, you know, like Terry with trying trying to handle travel plans on, on the best of days was something. Never mind on the run. So we decided, well, we can't get out of Toronto to Anaheim, not with 26 of us. And uh, so, you know, we get on a bus. We get on a bus from Pearson. We bus to Detroit. We fly from Detroit to Atlanta. We fly from Atlanta to Anaheim oh or whatever God. it was. We took like four flights. It was <laughs> yeah. the worst. We get there, and of course, our day is shot. The day we were supposed to have to hang out and have fun in the Anaheim Sun is shot. It's gone. So we lose a day. We got to play Anaheim. There's really nobody there. I can remember vividly one of the big Morgan brothers, like 6'6, slash a shooter. For some reason, I <laughs> I want to go over and give him a nudge for talking to him. The guy flips, flips off his. I'm fighting. You know, big Morgan, six yeah, yeah. eight Morgan in front of six hundred people. We're up ten one at the half, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it was. Uh, it must have been the O five team. This had to have been O five. Yeah. Anyway, we ended up having a pretty good night after, but I don't think we got to stay any longer because our flights home then got rebooked, and we were out at yeah. six o'clock. It it turned into be a horrible trip, but one I'll never forget. But we, uh, yeah, we had a good time. So there's a California trip. We never yeah. went back. We never went back. We had a lot of margaritas after that win. <laughs> Well, the Anaheim team, I think they were one and done it. I believe there, they were one right, and done. I think. Yeah. If they were two, then we didn't go back the next yeah. year. So it was one or the other. Yeah, I can't see right. Because they were the New Jersey Storm, and then they then the Storm went west, That's right. right? They went west. Anaheim, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, we got our the one Storm trip swept there. the country, yeah. That's right. So there's my um, California. I'll think of a good San Jose story for next time I'm here. So this San Diego team that the Rock are going to face is uh, very different than last year's team. A big reason why is uh, – Dan Dawson has uh, come home. He's left the Seals uh, as a free agent in the summer, of course, signed here in Toronto. Uh, Garrett Billings isn't there anymore uh, in San Diego, and they've got some some other fresh faces in the lineup too. So this isn't exactly the same team, but we saw them be pretty competitive with the Buffalo Bandits this uh, weekend and and pretty much stay in there kind of goal for goal until until the end of that game. Um, I'm not really too sure what to expect of the San Diego Seals this year because – you know, last year they it felt more like they built the team around some veterans and and almost wanted to get through that year one. Um, of course, they still have Brody Merrill there as the captain, but I'm not really too sure what to expect of the Seals here Saturday night. Well, 
the one thing you can expect for sure with their coaching staff is they'll be ready to play. And, you know, that emotion that we talked about, I imagine they're going to have a lot of it. But they can score, I think, even without stats. They've got some punch up there. They can score. And I think that they showed that last year. But last year they rode heavily on uh, on the goalie, on uh, the back, on the back yep. of Chiliano. And he was fantastic for them. And I think a lot, you know, again, I don't want to run down their roster because I'm just not familiar with a lot of names on their back end. So if they're – I, I would assume if there is a bit of a depth issue, it, it is on the back end and keeping the ball out. So, you know, they'll have good schemes in place to to support the roster they've got. If they get great goaltending, they'll usually be in every game and they'll hope that they can score some goals. So, yeah, a bit of an unknown for sure. But if they, you know, obviously the Bandits are repeating Eastern champs, you know, and they went into Buffalo and gave them a good game. There's no reason to believe that they're not going to play us hard at all. So, complete unknown. I don't know what to – and, and – you know, I'm not going to come up with any kind of uh, prediction, not not for a long <laughs> while. So I don't know what to expect, but you know they'll play hard. You know it's their home opener. They'll be playing with some emotion. And, again, I think a lot for that team will ride on what kind of effort they get out of their keeper. So, yeah, let's just see what happens, and we'll, we'll sum it up on Monday of next week. And you'd think, you know, obviously with uh, their coaching staff all being former Toronto Rock players, uh, their captain is a former member of this team as well, um, but maybe this is a bigger question, but is it really safe to say that there's probably, you know, no other team in this league that everyone gets up to play yeah, than, that's a, than that's... the Toronto Rock? I mean, because you've got coaches, almost, like I feel like almost on every bench in this league that have been a part of this organization at some point or a ton of guys, right? When you look around, yeah, around I, the league, I... there's a lot, like a lot, a lot. Right. And and I think that being that the league is so Ontario player heavy that all these kids grew up watching the rock. I mean, that's it's yeah, a bit I, of a disadvantage, I guess, sometimes for the rock, you know, that every single every single game that team's getting up to play because they're hey, they're playing the rock this week. Right. Yeah. If you ask everybody, everybody give you the same answer. No, that's not the case. We get up every week. But. You're like an excuse bank today. You just keep pumping out the excuses. Like, oh, well, you know, this just seems like another layer of excuse. Yes, well, it's just uh, a I'm thing. joking, of I, course. I but yes, that, of course it's yeah. a thing. And, and especially when teams come to Toronto. More so when they come so, to yeah. Toronto. But yeah. y- you can rest assured that, you know, their coaching staff is going to grind on that to their players a little bit yeah. to get them focused and ready. That's There's no doubt. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you Give it whatever angle you want. They'll want to win this game. There's no two ways around it. But I would imagine with that staff, they find out with they find out they come up with something every week that kind of relates to the same thing. We we got this chip. We've got to get out there and we're yeah. you, you know it's uh, it's always something that uh, good coaches will use. And I think they've got a lot of history here. Good times, uh, a lot more good times than bad for sure with all those guys. But I'm sure ultimately they're coaching a new team. They want this team to go in there and beat the Rock like they do every other week. So. Yeah, it'll be an interesting game for sure. I'm excited to see what San Diego looks like. But I'm more excited to see how our team responds. And uh, I, I just think it's so key, even though it's early, um, it's so key for them to show some something here this weekend. And, and again, take the wins and losses away from it. So uh, I think there's a lot on the line down there early in the season. It's hard to believe, but uh, from my perspective, there's a lot on the line to get down there and, and put in a good effort. So... I want to be back here on Monday raving about the effort. That's what I want. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. All right. Well, um, you know, it's all going down Saturday night. San Diego Seals, Toronto Rock. You can watch the game uh, on Bleacher Report Live. 
Uh, you do need a subscription to start watching the games as of this weekend. But uh, big tip here, if you did buy an annual pass last year, it is, depending on when you purchased it last year, it still may be good for this weekend. There you if have it. If that makes sense. You know, if you if you purchased your subscription last year on, say, December 20th, you'd still be uh, who calls still the, be clear for this weekend. Who calls the games on Beer Alive for the Seals? That is a good question. Uh, Doug Locker is the color analyst on the broadcast, but off the top of my head, I cannot remember the gentleman's name who does play-by-play. I'm not even sure if it's the same guy, actually, from last year, but Doug Locker is actually doing uh, quite a bit of work for the Seals, doing a lot of uh, player analysis and stuff like that, little social media segments and that, uh, previewing the roster and giving uh, some, you know, tips to win kind of thing. Uh little pieces and he would be somebody that you're familiar with. Oh, Doug obviously. goes back to my San Jose days. That's yeah. right. Like Doug a lot. That's good. Good to see him. I thought I remembered him on the, on the call last year. Yeah. I watched a couple of seals games, but yeah. Um, Whittier college. He's a California. That's guy. right. He started yeah. the, uh, the big trend of a lot of those Western Canadians. A lot of the guys I played uh, senior a with had gone down there. He had uh, quite a good, uh, yeah, he started a little bit of a Canadian pipeline there. He actually Whittier. recruited my cousin and then, my cousin didn't end up going there, but uh, yeah, that was my first uh, experience just hearing the conversations that my cousin was going through when he when Doug Locker was recruiting him to go to Whittier. But um, yeah, and just talking about him and how great this Doug Locker guy, like he had my cousin just right fired up about Everybody loves uh, possibly Doug going to California and then realized that California wasn't necessarily going to work for my cousin. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was, uh, and then when I heard him become a general manager in the league and all that kind of stuff, it was kind of interesting that I had heard, uh, heard of Doug all the way back to the Whittier, uh, Whittier days. So, uh, small world, eh? Small world. And, uh, let's put this out there before we forget. Let's get some questions in. I yeah. want to answer some questions. Fire some questions at us. Next at, week's. At Toronto Rock Lacks on Twitter. Uh, throw a comment uh, basically below the uh, the podcast social posts that you probably have uh, clicked on to, to find us here on the podcast. And we'll throw that out even in the social posts. We'll get people to say, uh, throw us a question here that we can tackle on uh, a future podcast. And if you saw me at the game, I was wearing a uh, Topps Friendly Market 1999 <laughs> Topps Friendly Market Game All Star Game worn Bobby Watson jersey. If you saw me, that's what I had on. Yeah, that's a blast from the past. And the guy I was with was wearing the Doyle jersey. I thought that would have been silly of me to wear that one. So I wear the Watson one. He wears the Doyle one. That's from the All Star Game in Rochester, ninety nine, I believe, maybe two thousand. I think a twenty one twenty final. <laughs> that yeah. You were wearing a Bob Watson jersey in the yeah. stands on Saturday night. Yeah. Why is there no? Why is there not? A, is there a photo of this anywhere? Well, I have no idea. I don't. But did you did you or anybody with you take a photo of you guys? I hope not. In the stands. I don't think so. Who else? Barber. Barber wears the door. He's always worn these jerseys, and he's always said it's fine. So now I said I can wear the Whipper one. <laughs> so it's official. <laughs> was Whip at the game on Saturday? Did not see Whipper at the game. No. No. Casey was with us. Yeah. Casey Behrens was with us. That's it. Uh, so our section was a little quiet. No Chappie. No Marsh. No. Yeah, actually, they both said they couldn't make the game. I think. No, so I think about it. Yeah, but the X player section will get bigger, hopefully, for the eleventh game. <laughs> yes, and let's uh, remind everybody that uh, tickets are on sale for that game Saturday, January eleventh, when the Rochester Nighthawks version two come to uh, Scotiabank Arena. That we get to see them, although there are some 
past Rochester Nighthawks playing on this team, namely uh, Sean Evans, who uh, had some success with the Nighthawks back in the day. And if you buy a holiday pack, Colin, which includes four tickets and four T-shirts for just $99. I know, what a smoking deal. Eh? No kidding. Those tickets are good for the January 11th game. Okay, now for the promotions. <coughs> Enough with the promotions? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Pro-rated season memberships are still on sale as well. You can check uh, out rock.com slash tickets for uh, for all that info. But uh, bottom line, get your tickets for uh, Saturday, January 11th. Lots of time. We'll uh, obviously continue pumping that. But uh, first and foremost, make sure you've got your subscription. The Bleacher Report live for Saturday night's game, 10 p.m. Eastern start. So maybe even get in a little afternoon nap. So I'm going to need one. Stay up a little bit later and watch that game on Saturday night. And, uh, yeah, live.bleacherreport.com. And also, sorry, one more thing we should mention. The NLL this week announced that there will be a free game of the week, which will be broadcast on BR Live as well as Twitter and Facebook throughout the season. Three Toronto Rock games featured on that uh, through the season, but not this weekend. So that will about wrap up the podcast for this week. Uh, So, Colin, uh, always great chatting. And, again, we do look forward to a uh, celebratory feel to next week's podcast. Maybe we'll even do, like, a... Maybe we'll do like a Christmas list or something, something that you would get, you know, make up some stuff that we would get for certain guys around the league or even just on the rock, you know, some You're the concept funny guy. Christmas present type stuff. I'm in. Let me know. Or we could even put this out maybe as the question. What would you get for your Toronto Rock player? Okay. You know, and we can maybe read some of those comments on the podcast next week. I know some of the people in the office and that are cruising through here sometimes that are always asking me, hey, when's the podcast going to be up? And this week I had to say, well, we're not recording it until Thursday, so it's not going to be up on Wednesday. So uh, all we, that stuff. I had to have a few days to calm down. That's on me. It's good just to take yeah, a breather and think about things. So I tell my 10-year-old, just walk away, <laughs> take a breather. Walk away, do the podcast a couple days later. There you go. Let's right. get a win. Let's get uh, back on the winning ways, or at least let's have a tremendous effort, something we can be proud of. So, yeah. All right. So that'll do it. In the meantime and in between time for Colin Doyle and Mike Hancock saying we will chat next week.